And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Real Investment Show. So glad you could join us today, of course, as the heat marches on, as we've been talking about. Um, Supposedly... We're going to get a front to come in and break some of this stuff up. So we'll see what happens. But So we'll get down into the 90s? Yeah. And still, Can't wait. And, a, and 20% chance of rain. So Ooh, I washed my car yesterday <laughs> just to tempt the fate. There you go. So there you, there you have it. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty hot lately as we've been talking about. Uh, of course, I still also have a raccoon trapped in my chimney. Uh, we called out, so I, talked, I was telling you yesterday on the show that uh, over the weekend a raccoon fell down my chimney and is trapped in my chimney right now. And so the animal control people, they're like, yeah, we'll get around to it. They're going to come out on Wednesday. <laughs> so Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got a raccoon in my chimney till Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm not so sure I want to stick my hand in there, but <laughs> that's the question. A um, couple of things to get into today, of course, um, you know, we are watching kind of this, uh, you know, kind of this uh, kind of movement in the markets and you know, markets are still doing very well. Uh, interesting, you know, we're starting to see kind of a bit of a twist on some of the commentary now expecting inflation to start rising again. And this is kind of becoming more of a common narrative that you know, oil prices have come up here recently and we're starting to see a little bit more pressure on oil prices. And so that obviously means inflation's about to come storming back. You know, the one thing is, is that consumer spending has been doing exceptionally well. We're about to see retail sales numbers here soon. And uh, the big question is, is how, how are retail sales doing, right? How's the consumer doing? You know, there's higher interest rates, higher payments, higher prices. Um, you know, the stimulus money they'll had that's pretty much been running out now. So, you know, this, this idea is that we've returned back to a very normal economic environment. Consumers are doing well. Everything is fine. There's nothing to worry about. And that may pressure some inflation higher. We'll see. Um, you know, the question, and, and again, you know, there's still, and as we talked about before, there's still a lot of monetary supply in the system, right? That M2 is still sitting out there as a percentage of GDP at pretty high levels. It is coming down. But that's going to take some time, um, you know. But right now, the assumption is is that we've returned back to normal. There'll be no recession, and everything's going to be just fine. And if that's the case, then if we do have stronger economic growth, and this has been one of the key supports now for the markets, right? This market narrative uh, that earnings troughed in the second quarter, and now we're about to see a growth in earnings to more than two hundred thirty dollars a share by next year. And that is all predicated on no recession, right? You can't have a recession and growing earnings, right? Those just don't go together because a recession is a slowdown in activity and consumption, which is going to pressure earnings. Those are just, you know, uh, you know, inextricably linked. Um, So hopes are right now, economy is going to start growing again. In fact, Goldman Sachs is now pegged out that the second quarter was the trough in earnings. They begin to improve here and, and really start growing pretty strongly as we get into 2024, which also suggests pretty strong economic growth. Now, this is all despite higher interest rates from the Fed. And of course, as the as we talked about yesterday, Jackson Hole coming up. So we're going to get some kind of inclinations from, you know, what Jerome Powell says about 
Fed policy and about their views on the economy and what they're trying to achieve. Because again, the Fed's been fairly clear here is that they want to increase the unemployment rate, slow down the economy to make sure that inflation is kind of ratcheted in at their 2% target. Now, one thing that is starting to get circulated around now about inflation is that the Fed may raise their inflation target to 3%, which would be interesting because that would also suggest that economic growth is going to start running at between 25 and 3% as well to support that higher inflation rate. So lots of things that are kind of going on here, a lot of hope here by the market that somehow we've turned this corner and we're about to have a stronger economic growth environment in the U.S., certainly possible. But it, it becomes a bit more of a challenge when you think about the amount of debt, higher interest rates, all the things that really work against this idea of stronger economic growth. I, I don't know how this turns out. Um, we just kind of have to, to kind of track markets as we go. And again, you know, kind of what happens next is just going to be a function of, of where reality really lies. All right. There's a lot of hope, but somewhere in here is the reality of how things are going to turn out. I don't know what that reality is going to ultimately look like. Neither does anybody else, but this is kind of just where we are at the moment. Now, this, this morning, uh, we've got a few things to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, debt and interest rates this morning on the show. Here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Yesterday, the market bounced right off the 50-day moving average. This is a good sign, right? So we talked about this 50-day moving average for the S&P 500 kind of being initial test of support for this bit of a correction consolidation phase that we very much needed. You know, we had this very strong advance in June and July. So this bit of a softness here, this correction, something we've been talking about here for a while, saying, hey, we needed a three to 5% correction. Uh, well, we're working on that right now. And we've kind of gone through this first leg of this correction, tested the 50-day moving average yesterday, held that. That's a good sign. This morning, futures are going to open a bit weaker here. So again, we're going to try to retest this 50-day moving average again today. Need to hold that if we're going to start to, to kind of at least create a consolidation process, at least in the markets where markets just kind of travel sideways. We just kind of bounce up and down for a bit, work off the more extreme kind of overbought MACD, which we are doing, by the way. Um, we are getting this MACD sell signal through its oscillation process. We're not there just yet. But we want to start to see that turn back into a buy signal. When we do that, obviously, we'll be able to more safely increase exposure to portfolios, of course, in areas that we want to be in. But again, as we kind of go through this process, be a little bit patient here because there's certainly some further downside risk as we kind of get into August. And again, with uh, Jackson Hole Summit coming up, certainly some risk there that Jerome Powell could say something that really kind of spooks the market a bit. But again, you know, the, the MACD sell signal again the, the the kind of the primary thing that we're watching here for our kind of indication this correction process is over is still fairly elevated um, so we've got to kind of get back below this zero line theoretically to get to a more oversold condition in the market as to where you get a much better buying opportunity that would suggest a, a bit longer period here of this consolidation process. Uh, again, you know, kind of yesterday's rally, not real surprising. We had gotten oversold on a short-term basis and we kind of talked about yesterday, a bounce was likely. We saw that bounce yesterday. Um, but again, we're still kind of in this process. So again, really not a lot to be concerned about here. Markets are doing something very, just a very normal for this kind of August, September period. But we've kind of got to get through this. So be a little patient here, give this market some time to kind of work through its process. 
Uh, don't be too anxious to just jump in if you see some, but again, there's certain areas that are providing opportunity. You know, some technology stocks have recently gotten pretty oversold. You know, Apple's down over 10%. Um, you know, so there's some areas in tech that have been kind of the hot leaders. They've had a bit of a pullback here. We've seen some rotation into areas like energy. They're getting a little bit overbought here. So again, so kind of some opportunities to rebalance your portfolio between, you know, sectors of the markets as well. So again, you know, corrections are good opportunities to, to take advantage of those type of things. So don't be afraid to do that. Just look for the right opportunity, put the money to work opportunistically. Um, but you know, again, you don't have to just jump in all at once either as we kind of work through this process. We're gonna get to a, a point of where we'll have a pretty clear buy signal and we'll let you know that when we get there. We're just not there yet. But again, this market this morning, we're gonna have, have a retest of this 50 day and we'll see where we go to from there. That's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about interest rates, the bond market, and why bonds may be a better buy than stocks. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So welcome back to the show this morning. So a couple of things that, uh, you know, been kind of a challenge for investors over the last year. Or so as this, you know, we had a big correction in the stock market and bond market last year. Uh, interest rates have gone up because of inflation. And, and now the general consensus is, is that, you know, inflation interest rates can only go higher. And, you know, stocks are, are back in a bull trend. And none of this, you know, correlates historically, right? If uh, interest rates are rising, you know, that's a, that's a problem for long duration assets. As we've talked about before, you know, the correlation makes some fu fundamental sense when you think about it because again, if interest rates are going up, the cost of borrowing goes up, the 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 input costs go up for businesses that impacts earnings and if you're in a particularly in a high growth business that does, you know, where you're you're really dependent on earnings growth to support valuation, uh, that certainly doesn't work in terms of the correlation between high growth assets and, and higher interest rates. But this year, that's certainly been the case. And, and in fact, in uh, this morning's daily market commentary, which is you know something we produce every morning um, on our website. And again, you can get this by email. It comes out at 7.30 in the morning um, by email, but we always post it very early for you. So if you want to get an early jump on the day, you certainly can, but this was kind of uh, a bit of the commentary that we put out this morning talking about this deviation between stocks and, and bonds, and, and, and especially really kind of in the term of interest rates. And again, this idea of the impact of interest rates on long-duration assets. And again, what, what is a long-duration asset? A long-duration asset is something that it requires a long period of time to justify what you paid for it, right? So if I'm buying a, a tech stock that trades at a high multiple, 
and I assume that the company pays me my pro rata share of money every year, it takes me a very long time for me to break even on my investment. That's a long duration asset. It take, it's, it's about time. Higher the interest rate is, the longer that duration comes out to be, which, and for a lot of investors, it doesn't make fundamental sense. And so there should be a correlation between interest rates and long-duration assets. But obviously, over the last year or so, that, that correlation has significantly broken down. And you know, particularly since April, really more than anything else, when we really kind of took off with this AI chase this year, we now have the largest gap between the NASDAQ 100, right? And that's primarily those AI stocks that we were all chasing earlier this year, and interest rates. And that really shouldn't be the case. And so the, the, the thing that we keep kind of coming back to is this kind of breakdown in the analysis that we're using. Again, we've got one kind of one camp here talking all about, you know, interest rates can only go up because of the debt. Um, but then we've got investors piling into equities hand over fist at this point. So this is kind of really the crux of the article that we put out this morning talking specifically about interest rates and economic growth and the stock market and why pretty much over the next decade in particular, bonds are likely going to be a much better risk-reward return basis than, than actually owning stocks. And, and this is something that we've, we've covered before, but you know, I think it's kind of important that we review this because every time there's a tick in rates lately, right? If, if interest rates tick up or down, it's like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? You know, and that doesn't mean anything in the short term. It's just movements in the market. But long term, there's a very high correlation between interest rates, economic growth, wages, and inflation, which you should expect. And as economic growth has slowed over the last really 30 years, so have interest rates fallen. Because again, you can't have high interest rates in a slow growth environment. So we had this big tick up in economic growth in 2021 because of all that stimulus that we plugged into the economy that's still reversing, but that growth rate is still running at a very, very high level. So it's not surprising that interest rates are holding up here because economic growth is slowing to that level. Now, as that growth rate slows below the current level, which will take time, then interest rates will start to come down. But there's there's a bit of a lag effect. We've talked about this lag effect before of higher rates. Higher rates are impacting the economy. It's just going to take more time. Now, I know that chart's a, a, you know quite a bit clustered um, in terms of all the different lines and stuff, but we can really kind of slim this down and just look at real gross domestic products. So that's inflation-adjusted GDP versus interest rates. And we see pretty much the same correlation. We see this big jump on the year-over-year basis of, of, real in, uh, of interest rates as, as well as real economic growth. And again, these are all slowing down now on this annual rate of change. But Again, it's just got a lot more work to do because all that stimulus has still not left the system. We still have a lot of this money in the pipeline. This M2 as a percentage of GDP still remains exceptionally elevated, but it is going to eventually work itself out over time. But again, and this is something that we show in particular in the article, has discussed this, you know, this level of M2 as a percentage of GDP because it's important because that's what's driving this economic growth. Whoops, hold on a second. My uh, chart changed on me. 
So what what uh, what M2 is a percentage of GDP. Now, there's two interesting points about this. M2 is a percentage of GDP, pretty much track GDP through 2008. And then once we had the financial crisis, of course, we started all these monetary interventions, HAMP, HARP, TARP, QE, et cetera, so forth and so on. And M2 as a percentage of GDP was climbing even though GDP was still slowing. And the reason was is all those monetary interventions didn't create any economic activity. It was just supporting financial stability and, and creating a big boom in the stock market. But it didn't help anybody in the economy. And this is why we developed such a big wage gap. But you see that vertical spike in M2 as a percentage of GDP that occurred in 2020. That's that $5 trillion in stimulus. We're still working out. We're just now returning back to the trend growth of monetary supply as a percentage of GDP starting back in 2008. That's likely going to reverse further. But also as that reverses, see GDP still very elevated um, on, on a relative growth basis. So that's got to decline a, a lot more on this annualized growth rate basis. And that is going to take time. For that to work out. So that's that that higher growth rate that's sitting here in the economy right now may keep interest rates a little bit higher for right now because of this elevated kind of growth rate. But it is reversing and it will reverse as that monetary supply comes out. So when we take a look at the five year average of kind of an economic composite. So what's the economic composite? It's inflation. It's GDP and wages. That's that's what drives interest rates over time. And there's a long-term historical correlation between, I'll show you this in a second, between interest rates and this economic composite. And it, and it has to be, right? The interest rates are a function of what people charge for activity in the economy. If I'm going to loan you money, my loan has to equate to what inflation risks are going to be, what economic growth risks are going to be. So I'm going to charge you a rate that compensates for that risk. So there's got to be a correlation to that. But because that economic composite is so elevated right now, that's going to take time to come down. So interest rates will eventually reflect lower rates of economic activity as those all return to normal that are equated to kind of the current economic environment. And that's what and, and we can take that same chart and put it into our correlation matrix. And what we find out is there's not surprisingly, there's a very high correlation between interest rates and the economic composite on a five year basis. And that economic composite is going to slide back towards zero eventually, right? It's just going to take time to get there, which means interest rates have to come down as economic growth and inflation slow as monetary liquidity continues to evaporate from the system. Now, the only thing that precludes that from happening, of course, is if the Federal Reserve and the government come out and go, oh, here's another $5 trillion in stimulus, right? Um, but right now, we don't have that. The Fed is still tightening their balance sheet. We still have quantitative tightening going on. That's still an issue. And, and so when we think about interest rates, again, so let's go back to our conversation for a second about interest rates as a duration mix. In, hi, leave the chart up. Interest rates as a function of duration, right? There should not be a position to where you have high interest rates and long duration assets all working at the same time. And that's that can't hold up. And this is why when you look at stocks versus bonds, that ratio 
is now higher than we've had at any pre-crisis level in the markets, right? The dot-com crisis, the financial crisis, the Fed taper tantrum. When That stock-bond ratio should not be this out of whack, but that's what's been going on in, in the markets here over the last, you know, really kind of this year and a half because of this hope that the Fed is going to cut rates, this hope that we're going to get monetary accommodation has gotten this alignment out of the out between stocks and bonds out out of whack and so eventually that's going to have to correct itself so either somehow miraculously either interest rates are going to have to fall to support stock prices or stock prices have to fall to support higher interest rates you've got to take your pick but you can't have both and this has really been kind of the whole premise of the market and and what's happening here and, and this is something that will talk about when we come back from the break though um you know is is when you start thinking about the environment that we're in and thinking about where we are there's a lot of calls here lately that interest rates can only go higher because of you know the debt right we keep issuing more debt so interest rates have to go higher well when we come back from the break we'll talk about why buying bonds may very much be a better opportunity than owning stocks over the next few years, and I'll explain to you why when we come back from the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so welcome back to the show this morning so talking a little bit about bonds versus stocks you know i get a lot of questions you know lately and and um you know this is uh you know, kind of a, an interesting conundrum because, you know, last year uh, bonds had the worst return on record since 1788. And, uh, you know, this year they're not really doing a whole lot. Uh, interest rates kind of stuck here between, you know, three and a half and say four percent ish. And, and again, you know, lots of consternation from one side saying, oh, interest rates can only go higher. And then, the, you know, there's just the natural evolution of economic growth that, you know, suggests a, a different outcome. But there's there's more to the story than that, but you know, one of the questions that we keep coming back to is, is why should I own bonds? And one of the reasons is, is that as we were just going through the 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 disconnect between the market and interest rates cannot last indefinitely. There will be a correlation or a, or a reconnection between long duration assets, stocks, and and ultimately what's happening with interest rates. So one way or the other, that's going to work itself out. Just a, a function of how and when. Um, we also have some anomalies running through our system right now, again, as we were saying in the last segment, with all this money supply that we've been putting in over the course of the last you know, couple of years. It was not just the $5 trillion of stimulus, it's also the $1.7 trillion in, um, uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is going into you know, building projects and 
you know, things here in, in the states, which is, hey, this is a good thing, right? We're giving money to companies to build plants and, and, and manufacturing facilities, et cetera. That's great, right? That's, that's fantastic. So put Americans to work. It's awesome. But that's also keeping this inflation level a bit more elevated, keeping economic growth more elevated than it would have been otherwise. And the question now becomes, well, what's next, right? You know, got to keep, got to keep doing this in order to keep, ele you know, elevated economic growth. Um, eventually, economic growth is going to return to the level of kind of monetary supply to the markets, and that's that's falling. But again, there's some basic understandings that we need to go through real quick about bonds versus stocks to kind of understand the, how this works out. So interest rates are a reflection of economic activity and inflation, right? And that's what's going on now. So as inflation falls and economic activity slows, then interest rates will ultimately reflect that. And so inflation, economic growth, that was like, you know, very high, and that's been falling. It's now catching up with the level of interest rates. So as that continues to slow in the future, interest rates will start to come down naturally. As interest rates fall, prices of bonds go up. There's an inverse relationship between interest rates and the prices of bonds. So this is why you buy bonds when interest rates are high, not just for the interest that you that you earn, but also for the capital appreciation for when, when rates do eventually fall. And, and they're eventually going to fall with, again, with economic growth and, and the environment. So, you know, one of the things that we keep talking about and one of the things that we've had a lot of, of talk about within the economy is that we're not ready for that chart yet, um, is that you've got a tremendous amount of monetary stimulus going on, right? So you've had all this money being pumped in. That's requiring a lot more debt to be issued. And again, we keep talking about, you know, debt issuance and where we're headed to from here in terms of debt issuance. And that's going to keep going up. In fact, the CBO recently just came out and projected, you know, a a, a massive surge in the debt to GDP ratio by 2053. And we hear a lot of people talk about, well, you know, interest rates have to go up because of all this debt. Well, that's assuming we have a normally operating bond market. In fact, we wrote an article about this last week is that you've got to have this normally operating bond market in order to support higher interest rates. But we don't have a normally operating bond market. When interest rates become problematic for the economy, and this is the one thing the, the markets have been hoping on, is that the Fed's going to start cutting rates. Right? Every, every time that we have a piece of economic news come out, what's the, what's the story for the markets? Oh, that means that the Fed's going to start cutting rates. Oh, that means the Fed's going to start cutting rates. Oh, that means the Fed's done hiking rates, and that means if they stop hiking rates, then we're closer to them cutting rates. That's been the story for the last year. That's why stocks are up. It's all been this hope that the Fed will start to cut rates. Well, the only reason they can cut rates and suppress interest rates as a whole is they have to buy bonds. So as we issue more and more debt, the Fed is going to have to continue monetizing more and more and more of the debt to keep interest rates suppressed. Why? So they can issue more debt. Right. If interest rates go too high, then they won't be able to issue the amount of debt they need to issue in order to support the spending and the deficit that we currently have, which is, you know, back on the rise. So ultimately, interest rates have to come down again to support economic growth. So when you get into the next recession, whenever it occurs, whether it's six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, when you get into a recession, interest rates are going to fall back towards zero. 
because the Federal Reserve will suppress interest rates back to zero. And from current levels, now you can show them the chart. From current levels, that would suggest about a 50% increase in the price of bonds that you bought today. So, again, that gap is going to fill. It's just a function of time and the drivers that get you there. And, yes, there's a lot of short-term variables that are happening right now that may keep interest rates a bit elevated here. But there is a very large inability for, stock, for interest rates to get to 5 or 6% because of all the debt and because of what's happening with long-duration assets. If interest rates continue to rise, the cost of borrowing goes up, refinancing costs get higher, that's all going to impact earnings. Earnings growth are going to get suppressed. And if earnings growth gets suppressed, then the valuations people are currently paying, and again, this year has been totally an increase in valuation expansion for stocks because earnings have been declining through the second quarter. If interest rates go to 5 or 6%, you can't support that valuation market. So if interest rates do go up from here, you're going to have a very large correction in the markets, which is going to lead to suppressed consumer confidence, which is going to lead to slower economic growth, which is going to lead to a, a decline in interest rates. Right? So the market has got itself into a very bad position at the moment that leaves the only way out for stocks, the only way out for stocks at this point, is for the Fed to start cutting rates and start doing QE. If things remain where they are or get worse in terms of interest rates and inflation resurges, et cetera, it's not good for stocks. So for all, for, for all those reasons over the course of the next few years, it's very likely that bonds on a total return basis are going to outperform stocks. That doesn't mean this week. That doesn't mean next month. It doesn't mean next quarter. It doesn't mean through the end of this year. Stocks will very likely perform well this year because of momentum, psychology, sentiment, those type of things. You can't fight that stuff. But the very basic economic dynamics do not support continued asset growth in a high interest rate environment. Those just two don't historically align well. So, again, we're just going to have to, you know, again, and this is why you have to, you know, make investment decisions with a longer, and I'm going to write some more about this in this weekend's newsletter, but this is why you've got to make some investment decisions with longer duration to them than what's happening in the markets over the last couple of months. Now, if you're day trading, that's fine. That's all you care about. But if you're really, truly investing, some of your investment decisions have to have a longer duration to them and say, here is an opportunity that is out of balance, and this is why I can make money with it long term. But I want to be patient. I can't worry about every little wiggle in the market if I've got a long duration play sitting in my books. So just something to think about. I mean, you know, this is, you know, kind of the Warren Buffett thesis, right? I buy something with a hundred year outlook, right? Warren Buffett's not going to live 100 years. You're not going to live 100 years, but that's the view, right? You've got to, you've got to go into some investments, not all of them. You need some assets that are just chasing the market, right? That's why we own Apple and Google and Microsoft, right? We've got to have those assets that are just chasing the market. But some of your bets need to have longer durations to them and say, I've got a thesis here that mathematically will work out. But I've got to give it time to mature. And I can't worry about every little uptick or downtick in the market 
and and make changes to that long duration thesis because of a short term blip. Right. So that's just you know kind of something to think about. Okay. Um, that article is out on the website this morning. Um, and again, I'm going to do a bit of follow-up to it this weekend, uh, as well as the newsletter. So uh, again, I'm going to kind of tie, you know, I've, I've had a couple of articles out on debt and interest rates uh, over the last week or so. I'm going to kind of combine them uh, in this weekend's newsletter and just, you know, kind of give you a, a brief summary. But either way, I, you know, that's all on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. So when we come back from the break, we'll, we'll uh, kind of wrap up the, the show this morning, talk a little bit about... Um, we're wrapping up earnings season. We're now back into stock buyback mania season. 91% of the companies that do stock buybacks, which are primarily those that have led the charge this year, technology, communications, discretionary. Those are your big companies, your big mega cap companies. 91% uh, of the windows for stock buybacks are now back, back open for them. So again, they're back into buying stocks, and, and that brings a buyer back into the market. That's one of those things that tends to support higher asset prices in the short term. Again, short term, markets are going to do okay. Nothing to worry about there. We'll talk about that after we come back from the break. Don't go away. Get ready to wrap up the show. Get you on your way for the day. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Daily market commentary is already up and posted, as well as today's daily blogs on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so welcome back to the show this morning so a question on youtube uh asking about since we're talking about bonds you know what type of bonds to buy issuers etc you don't have to make this complicated buy treasuries um the reason is, is there's not much of a spread right now between treasuries and corporates. You don't get paid that much more to take corporate bond risk over U.S. treasuries, which are basically risk-free investments. They'll always pay off. So you don't have to get fancy with it. Buy a 10-year treasury and, you know, be happy with your near 4% yield. So that's, you know, make it easy on yourself um, and, and go from there. If you want to get more creative, and again, we do a lot of work internally for our clients, you know, we buy a whole variety of bonds from... Uh, federal home loans to uh, corporate bonds to treasury bonds to you know sh uh, short duration long duration etc we do a, a, a lot of work in the fixed income side of our portfolios um, but you know if you can do your homework and you can understand what you're buying and understand the risk you're taking there are certainly some opportunities out there but again if you don't um, all you have to do is call your brokerage firm wherever you have your investment account and ask for the bond desk and say, buy me some 10-year treasuries, and they can do that for you. And it's very simple, very quick, and they'll put them in your account. So, again, you don't have – again, I'm not making any recommendations to you. I'm not recommending you should do this. All I'm doing is making the case for why 
that bonds may outperform stocks over the course of the next few years because of what's going on with economic growth and inflation and interest rates and those type of things. So, so that's all I'm saying to you um, is that there is an opportunity. Um, you know, we own long duration bonds for that reason in our portfolios. We're going to continue to own them. Every, like I said, every time rates tick up or down, I get emails from a dozen people going, oh, my God, what does this mean? It's like, it doesn't mean anything. Right? I'm, I'm making a bet for the next three to five years. So I don't care what happens today or tomorrow or next week with interest rates. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change my view. It doesn't change my opinion because the data tells me what's going to ultimately happen. And it's just a function of time. The, the economy simply can't support higher interest rates because of the vast amount of debt that we are currently employed. And if you want to take an example from somewhere that's done this, go look at Japan, which we talked about in our recent blog posts. So again, it's just you don't have to go far to find out what happens. And it just, it just logic tells you that when you have a highly indebted consumer, that higher interest rates are going to ultimately matter. Again, not in the short term because they still have a lot of cash. We still have student loan payments sitting out there that aren't being paid, right? So people have extra money to spend. Today is retail sales out at 7.30 this morning. Uh, expectations right now for retail sales month over month, July 0.4 expected versus 0.2 previously. So they're expecting uh, retail sales to tick up for this month. Not surprising. Again, you know, we just came out of July, July 4th, you know, a lot of July 4th spending, travel, those type of things. So yeah, retail sales probably ticked up in the month of July. Um, retail sales excluding autos and gas month over month up 0.4% expected versus 0.3 previously. Import prices also up as well. So again, consumers doing okay. In fact, uh, Bank of America out this morning they're expecting a big retail sales beat. Um, they're saying this, that high-frequency data from alternative sources is upbeat. We seasonally adjust weekly credit card spending, housing demand, and industrial freight indicators through early July, finding that the consumer spending continues to grow. Manufacturing activity is currently bottoming or rebounding, and that's something that we've talked about here on the show before, is that the manufacturing data had gotten so bad that you're going to have a bounce in that data. So again, they're starting to see some of that. And large declines in housing activity appear to be mostly behind us, right? Housing, you know, the housing market decline that everybody was expecting has pretty much bottomed here. We're starting to see an improvement in housing prices. We're starting to see things kind of stabilize in the housing market. So again, everybody keeps kind of was was hoping last year that we're gonna have this big housing bust, et cetera, and it just never really materialized. So, you know, Again, in the short term, there's still a lot of money in the system. A lot of M2 floating around there. That's keeping things elevated. Now, can that last forever? Obviously not, because interest rates as a uh, percentage of credit card payments, et cetera, certainly beginning to weigh on the consumer, right? Those, those credit, credit card rates continuing to rise. Every time the Fed hikes rates, those credit card rates go up. That's going to eventually that's going to impact consumption. And, and again, it's time because everybody has a lot of excess savings at the moment on the books, but that that is running out. That is getting depleted. It's just going to take more time. So again, you know, we should see things trending along at about two percent a month, right? So if you take 0.2, multiply it by 12, that's 2.4 percent a year. That's about the rate of inflation. That's where it should be. 
So when you see 0.3, 0.4, it's a little bit elevated. But again, sustainability becomes really the question here. And, you know, everybody keeps expecting this recession that was going to happen. And, we, you know, we were taught saying last year is that, you know, everybody expects a recession. Probably not going to happen because everybody expects it to happen. And markets tend to adjust for that. And, and again, we're still there's still a very large contingent of people saying, well, a recession's got to occur. It doesn't have to occur. It doesn't. There's still a lot of M2. As again, we just keep going back to that one chart, right? Because there's so much money floating around the economy. It's going to take time to flush that out of the system. So sure, you're going to have a recession at some point, but it might be 12 months from now. It could be 24 months from now. It could be a while. And that's going to be frustrating, you know, for if you're betting on this big recessionary outcome, that's going to be frustrating because, again, it just... There's been so much support to the system, so many different bailouts and 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 monetary stimulus and, and all these type of things. I mean, look, we just bailed out the banks back in in March, provided a, a bank term funding program for banks to keep them from defaulting back in March. So, again, we keep doing all these things to support the financial system to keep it growing. So, again, it's just you. you this is part of how. We have to continue to navigate the market. It's challenging, and it's been a very narrow rally earlier this year. It was just a few stocks. That is starting to broaden out here a bit. That's a good thing. But again, there's no real sign here that right now that anything is about to just fall apart. So again, you're just going to have to kind of bear with us. But again, we retail sales out this morning. We'll see what happens. I mean, retail sales could disappoint. We'll see. Um Earnings out today. We're starting to, again, you know, wind up earnings season. Cisco, JDCom, uh, Target, uh, TJ Maxx, both out this uh, this morning. So, again, you know, we'll take a look at Target, TJ Maxx, see how their numbers look. Or, or, you know, they've Of course, Target has its own problems. They've got the Bud Light problem going on with Target. That's going to be one thing kind of weighing potentially on their earnings. But we'll you know, kind of listen about traffic, um, especially for uh, TJ uh, Maxx. Uh, is there because that's a lower end retailer? How's their traffic been? Now they should be a beneficiary of people stepping down the ladder in terms of their spend, where they spend their money, right? I can't afford to shop at you know a higher end store, so now I step down and I go to a TJ Maxx as an example to you know buy back to school clothes or whatever. Um, you know we'll see we'll see what their numbers look like, particularly since we are in the, in the back to school shopping season. We'll uh, we'll we'll see what they say. But those are things that we'll kind of keep a watch on. You know, the economic data continues to hold in there. It's not, you know, the economic data is not, you know, just dramatically strong by any stretch of the imagination. But again, the other side of this is it's not falling off a cliff either. So just have to kind of navigate this kind of as it goes. Um, speaking of student loan payments, you know, this is the one thing that, you know, potentially is that fly in the ointment. And again, we don't know how this is going to work out. But, you know, as we as we wrote about earlier on these student loan payments, they're set to restart at really kind of beginning of next month in September. And, you know, there's a lot of expectations that, well, the restart of those payments really don't matter a whole lot. It's it's fine, you know. People have to sure. People have to go back to repaying their debt, and it's no big deal. This is kind of the attitude that the markets have taken, and that may be okay, you know. But we have to, you know, think about this in terms of 
if I'm not making payments, that means I've got other money to I've got that money to spend on something else. If I have to start making those payments, well, that's money I don't have to spend on something else. So there should be a logical impact to the economy when those payments restart. And so far, as, as far as I'm aware, we've not come up with a solution to defer those payments again. The Biden administration is working on that. <clears throat> as far as I know, and again, I may be wrong, but as far as I know, nothing's been accomplished on that front to further delay those payments you know, having to be made. And so if those payments have to get made, then that certainly seems that that would be a logical impact on consumption considering the magnitude of those payments. In other words, you know, you've got 44 million borrowers. The average payment's about 300 bucks a month. Now, some are more, some are less. But even if you just kind of go on the, the low side of that, you're talking, you know, 10 to 12 billion a month in spending that won't occur because it's going to student loan payments. So you have to have a reasonable expectation that that's at least going to weigh on the markets. Uh, again, you know, is that the case? You know, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows for sure. But it's something that that certainly seems to be kind of an issue. And so we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Janet Yellen out this morning also saying that the economy is on track for stable growth thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. See, I've been telling you, it's like that Inflation Reduction Act, $1.7 trillion. Here's the problem. What happens when all the money's used up? Right? In other words, love what you did for me, but what are you going to do next? That's the question, right, that nobody asks. Anyway, wraps up the show for the day. Get by the website. Blog posts are out. The daily market commentary is all there for you. Realinvestmentadvice.com. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them. Always happy to answer them. Um, Realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with Danny Ratliff uh, for the Wednesday edition of The Real Investment Show. Have an awesome day.